Now for our second message, we brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Cause and Effect. Good afternoon, everyone. Notice the uh, marquee sign in the foyer said, uh, the world is crazy. Gave me an inward look at myself. But uh, it also said underneath, uh, it said, don't let it drive you crazy. As we look around today, we see a lot of good. We see a lot of bad. We th see things happening that just aren't really in our control. We think about what causes it, what effects it's having on people's lives. And all of these things are just producing sometimes confusion, sometimes changes, and a lot of uh, deep thinking about who we are and what we are and where we're going. So we see a lot of good causes. We see bad. And each one has an effect on our life in, in some way. Cause and effect. That's what I want to speak about today. You probably heard that quite a bit, if you, especially if you've uh, had some experience in Worldwide Church of God where uh, Mr. Armstrong would talk about cause and effect. There is truth to that because everything that happens, everything uh, we say, whatever we say or do is going to have uh, either a good cause or it's going to have a bad effect on others. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says to be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And in verse 8, he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that reaps to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So we see that there is a cause for doing too many things to please ourselves and then doing things according to the spirit of God. Each one has an effect. So in the sermon today, we will look at a few causes and effects and you, you'll know that the Bible has a lot of examples. But we see in these two verses that God is not going to allow himself to be ridiculed. He's not going to allow himself to be treated with contempt. That is his words and his sayings and, and, and his ways. And he won't allow his precepts to be scorned. The way a lot of people are scorning some of those precepts. But he will bring to pass those things he said those things he promised, all those things that he has made. So we, need, uh, we must be careful that we're not deceived into thinking his words are idle words. So whatever a man sows, it says, that shall he also reap. So whatever a nation or an individual, whether it be good or bad, there are consequences. Cause and effect. That's when something happens that makes something else happen. Cause and effect. 
And there are many examples, as I mentioned earlier, that there are many examples in the Bible throughout. Some are minor, some are major, just like we see in the world today. For example, little Johnny was up all night, and in class he fell asleep. It's a simple cause and effect. Or big Johnny was texting while driving and collided with another car. So we see there is a cause for just about anything we do, anything we say. Something is going to happen, good or bad. So things that we say, things that we do, can have a harmful, if not a deadly consequence. And whatever has been planted into our hearts from the time you know, we were uh, small, whatever is in the mind of man can have, a, can have a, a way of growing either into something good or some kind of good fruit or something bad. I would like to read an article. It's called Wake Up, America. President Abraham Lincoln said, A nation divided cannot stand. And it was Jesus who long before warned, saying, If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Those are found in the book of Mark, chapter 3. And he said also that every kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. So today, government and nations are divided by ideologies and party spirits of various sorts. Families are split by divorce. Even churches are divided over doctrines. And the question is why? Going on, it says, A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, wrote the prophet Isaiah. They have forsaken the Lord. That's one of the reasons why. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. Another. They are gone away backward, it says. And there is no fear of God in the land. Now these truths are self-evident. I'm still reading. As we see and hear of evil every day. And the more the leadership of a nation separates from the word of God. And people to their own ways. Being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, lawlessness and unconcern increases. So one of the signs of the last days, still reading, said the Apostle Paul, is that perilous times shall come. We've heard all of these uh, quotations before, you know, in, in, uh, in scriptures. And it was the prophet Daniel who foresaw an unprecedented time of trouble coming such as never been seen. Today there we find, we see lying, we see hypocrisy among many in leadership, bigotry, hatred, murders, falsehoods, injustice, and other evils that plague our American society. And the land is full of bloody crimes. The city full of violence. And evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, it says, deceiving and being deceived. Why? Isaiah 55, 
verse 6 through it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Why be stricken anymore? The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. And we read that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. Strife, division, and violence filled the earth in those days. But none heeded God's call to change. And that civilization was awakened to judgment and destruction and the wrath of God. So there is a cause for every effect. Thoughts and deeds have a ripple effect, good or bad, on society. So wake up, America. A house built on sand will eventually collapse. Great shall be the fall of it. Pride goes before a ruin and a haughty spirit before a fall. And God said, I will break the pride of your power. Though we glory in the strength of our military and our economy, our resources, etc. Without sincere credit to God, in God we trust, and in the light of his word, we will suffer the consequences. So the world has faced unprecedented times of trouble before, like war, disease, famine, pestilence, natural and economic disasters that give pause for self-reflection and goodly change. But what has mankind learned in all of that? What are we learning today? What will it take for man to change? We know that, hate to you know, mention something like this, and that sometimes we, we forget that waiting in the wings are thousands of nuclear weapons, some 65 times more powerful than the bomb dropped on Hiroshima, World War II, poised to rain down global destruction. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. But a house divided shall not stand. So we see how there are things, you know, uh, that are underneath this nice weather that we're having outside. And it's somewhat in contrast to all the things that are going on in the world today. But we have read, and I'm, I'm finished with the quotations there. That in the last days it says that evildoers shall wax worse and worse. And it's like Doyle said in the uh, earlier message that things won't get better or may not get better. It will grow ever more uh, terrible and troublesome. But is this what we have to look forward to? Thankfully, you know, in the first message we have the kingdom of God and all the solutions to the world's problems. Are going, or are going to be there. But what we see today. Is this what we're going to be looking at for a long time? Is this what our children and our grandchildren are going to be looking at?
But what is the cause of this turmoil and trouble that we have? What causes it? What effects does it having? So, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that I cannot express that is going to offer any solution or, you know, give the, uh, the whys and wherefores of all this. But you can think about those. But in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, and in verse 16, six things does the Lord hate. Seven are an abomination to him. And he lists a proud look as one, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet swift and running to mischief, and a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among the brethren. And we see that seven are an abomination to him. And so what this tells us, that beside the six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination, meaning this is not a complete list. Because things crop up now and then, and you can see some of this throughout the Bible. But there is not a complete list of these things that the Lord hates. Because there are other things. There are other things that cause trouble and have an effect on our individual life and on society and on our nation as a whole. And there are reasons for the many wrongs that we see in life. So we must take heed that we don't do these things. But we are to look to the word of God for his wisdom and his direction. In Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 1. I would have had this printed out on, on the computer, on the word processor. But uh, it wasn't cooperating. So... <laughs> I wrote everything down and, and I'll be reading from the Bible directly. Deuteronomy, this, this English title uh, stems from a translation from uh, the Septuagint. Now the Hebrew title of this book is Elah Hadad Beirim. Don't know if I pronounced right, but it's something like that. Meaning, these are the words or these be the words, which is taken from chapter 1 of Deuteronomy, verse 1. So this is in keeping with the, the Hebrew uh, custom of titling a, a work by its first words. Chapter 1, verse 1. These be the words which Moses spoke unto all Israel on this side, uh, Jordan, in the wilderness. In the plain over against the Red Sea. Between Paran and Tophel. And Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahab. I'm sure these towns have, have some kind of meaning. Some spiritual meaning or something there. As to why these locations are, are cited. Uh, drop down to verse 3. And it came to pass in the 40th year. In the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke unto the children of Israel, according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. So this was the final year of 
of Moses, Israel, wandering in the uh, wilderness. Let's go to verse uh, 8. And Moses said here, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. So this is the record of Moses' sermons. They were called sermons on the law. And Moses was a prophet. He was more than one who was the lawgiver. And he was before the people to give them causes, to give them effects, and to look into the future as to what these causes and effects might be. Cause and effect. Numbers chapter 20. In the desert of Zen, where they were. If I can turn there quickly. Numbers. Numbers chapter 20. Verse 1. Then came the children of Israel. Even the whole congregation. Into the desert of Zin. In the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh. Kadesh and Miriam died there and was buried there and there was no water for the congregation and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and the people chode with Moses and spoke saying would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord and why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there. And wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt. To bring us in unto this evil place. It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. So they were chiding Moses. They were getting after Moses. For uh, going out to this wilderness where there was really nothing to grow or nothing to pick from. No fruit there. No water. I had read where this place called Kadesh was an oasis. And, but it, at this time of year, it dried out for some reason. So Moses and Aaron, verse 6, went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they fell upon their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. So they sought uh, advice and counsel from God. Just like, you know, Doyle mentioned when he, you know, got angry, he decided that he would pray about it. And this is what they did because, you know, these people must have been angering Aaron and uh, Moses. And the Lord spoke unto Moses. He said, Take the rod and gather you the assembly together, you and Aaron, your brother, and speak you unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth its water, his water. And you shall bring forth to them water out of the rock, so you shall give the congregation and their beast drink. So Moses took the rod 
from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, and he must have said it in a kind of an angered voice, an impatient voice, don't know, but he said unto them, Hear now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, hit it twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given you. Moses out of uh, human nature wanted to draw attention to himself and smote the uh, rock twice as though it was his doing that would bring the water from the rock and what was the effect of that it was it was they couldn't enter the land with the congregation is uh, verse 13 this is the water of Meribah because the children of Israel strove with the Lord and he was sanctified in them so that was the, the place of quarreling so the point is we need to be mindful of doing what God says and follow his will to not let our way lead us into doing something uh, or saying, uh, doing or saying something uh, rash. Luke chapter 12. Uh, verse 35. Jesus was teaching his disciples here to be ready and to not be taken by surprise. And start up here in verse 34. It says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's as though Jesus is talking to not only to those disciples then, but to the disciples who are present day. That's, that's to us and to those who see these words. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where is our treasure? Where is our heart today? And then it says, 30, uh, verse 35, by way of readiness, let your heart, let your loins be girded about and your light burning. This is a state we're to be in, a state of readiness. And you yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whose, whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Truly I say unto you that he shall gird himself, 
and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. <clears throat> and if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. If he's early, if he's late, they're going to be ready, going to be prepared. That's the way to prepare. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be you therefore ready. Also, uh, for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. Verse 41. And Peter. Peter said unto him. Lord uh, speak you this parable unto us. Or even to all. Who are, you, who are you talking to? What is this all about? Who you're speaking about? So. Peter was curious. Verse 42. Jesus didn't directly answer him. But he, he was talking primarily about. The leadership of the nation and that of that time and no doubt about our time today verse 42 and the Lord said who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season blessed is that servant whom the Lord when he comes shall find so doing of a truth I say unto you. That he will make him ruler. Over all that he has. But. And if that servant say. At his, in his heart. My Lord delays his coming. And shall begin to beat the men servants. And maid servants. Uh, maidens. And, and to eat and drink. And to be drunk. The Lord of that servant will come in a day. When he looks not for him. And at an hour when he is not aware. And will cut him asunder. And will appoint him his portion. With uh, the unbelievers. So as we uh, read earlier. Those uh, reaping to their flesh. Are going to uh, reap. Not everlasting life but ruin. So Christ was talking. To those who might have. A position in, of leadership or a calling to be a servant of God or a steward that to not uh, sow unto the flesh those things that are not going to give him everlasting life. So this was not just the disciples that Jesus was talking to. He was talking to the disciples earlier because they would be waiting they would be prepared they would be watching just as he taught them to do we also read that in verse 49 lost my place here I am come to send fire on the earth and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened till it be accomplished? So he's talking about 
uh, his death and his sacrifice that was to come, is to come at that time. Suppose you that I am come to give peace on earth. Good question. You look at Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, and they ask, and he says, Suppose you that I am come to give peace on the earth. I tell you, no, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. These families divided. Sometimes in our life, you know, sometimes among our friends and our co-workers, we, we often feel like we're outnumbered. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, mother against the daughter, daughter against the mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So, there's uh, within the family, within a unit, there, there is a split and, and division. So we see that the truth of God, the truth can cause division. And it depends on how one wants to see any kind of truth or whether they want to accept it or not. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessing and curses chapter. In verse 1. And it shall come to pass. If you shall hearken diligently unto the Lord. Unto the voice of the Lord your God. To observe and to do all his commandments. Which I command you this day. That the Lord your God will set you on high. Above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings. Shall come on you. And overtake you if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the field. So, so you know in the city you have, the, you have merchants. And you have people doing business. And you have on the outside on the uh, outskirts you know you have the farmers. And you have the, the ranchers who are doing their work. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, and the flocks of your, your sheep. So there will be, you know, uh, fertility. Blessings of fertility in all areas. Verse 5. Blessed shall uh, be your basket and your store. So much that, you know, wouldn't have to think uh, that there would be famine. There would be lacks because there, the stores will be blessed. The storage. Verse 6. Blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. Like when you, you, know, when you go to work and you come back. You will have had a full day. And you will be blessed in all of that work. Good to come home safely. The Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten 
before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand unto. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord shall establish you a holy people unto him. As he has sworn unto you. If you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God. And walk in his ways. So we see some causes for these blessings. And we see the effects. And all the people of the earth shall see. That you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods, and the fruit of your body, cattle, your ground, which the Lord swore, uh, swore unto your fathers to give you. So we see these blessing, blessings and the curses that uh, come about. But let's drop down to verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken unto the voice of your Lord, your God, to observe to do all his commandments and statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. So we see a listing of all of these uh, curses, uh, the disappointments, the sicknesses, and the captivity that is to come. And... There are more uh, verses that have to do with curses than there are the uh, verses that have to do with the blessings. Emphasizing the point that going against the commandments of God is going to result in the effects of things that are just not good. But let's read some of these curses. Actually, when you... Verses, uh, verse 16, uh, these are just the opposite of what, what we read in the blessings. It says, Curse, Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. So when you look at that, if you will just, you know, kind of read between the lines and look at, look at the world around us today, you can see how some of these things are like that. Uh, cursed in the city. And verse 17, cursed shall be your basket and your store. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. Verse 19, cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. You know, sometimes you go, go home and it's in, in our world today, you know, people go home to an atmosphere that's not very... Uh, Friendly, or it might be toxic in some way in relationships. Verse 20. The Lord shall send upon you cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you set your hand unto for to do until you be destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings whereby you have forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto you until he have consumed you from off the land where you go to possess it. The Lord shall smite you with a consumption and with a fever and inflammation and extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew 
and they shall pursue you until you perish. Verse 24. The Lord shall make the rain of your land uh, powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon you and until you be destroyed. The Lord shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. And you shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. So we can read on and we come across some areas in this uh, prophetic view that are just very ghastly things that are going to happen to the nation for the reason of forsaking the Lord. I probably, uh, as most of you probably noticed, that, you know, there's very little mention of repentance toward God. We all want change. We all look for change. But that change is not going to come unless... There is a change of heart and an inward look at oneself to see if, you know, we ourselves are contributors to the problems that we see. Let's go to for, uh, chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. Be through here in just a few minutes. Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 1, we'll skip some of the verses in between. Verse 1, it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and shall return unto the Lord your God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that then the Lord, your God, will turn your captivity. So when they are captive, they will begin to think about these things that are not going their way and why they're not going their way and cause them to turn unto the Lord. But not before there is a lesson that, that is learned. So Moses heard these words to pass on to, to that time. And it gives us something to think about today. Maybe we're uh, old enough to remember things in the past that have happened. And probably some of these things we won't be around to see that might happen to our children, our grandchildren. But they will, uh, these words will pass on because the Bible is always with us. We read in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3 verse 13 that it says that which has been is now and that which is to be has already been and God requires that which is past. Verse 33 of the Psalms and verse that is chapter 33 verse 12 it says blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. And it says that behold the eye of the Lord in verse 18. He's upon them that fear him. That hope in his mercy. 
Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1 of Ephesians. Therefore, brethren, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there's seven things that are mentioned here one body, one spirit. Even as you're called in one hope. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all. Verse uh, 7. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he says when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. And we're to walk worthy in whatever gifts we find that is of service to man in some way. So reverence toward God's service and will is everyone's responsibility. Matthew 24, 12 says that in the last days, iniquity shall abound, and also the love of many shall wax cold. Second Timothy says that this know also, chapter 3, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, so on and so forth. We've read this many times before. But let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12 in, in conclusion. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, verse 13. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This, for this is the whole duty of man. And in verse 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And in Galatians chapter 3, where we first started. He that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that reaps of the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. That is our pursuit. And that is the cause and the effect that is most desirable in our position as Christians before God.